I was getting between three to 4,000 downloads per episode. And then I fizzled out. And then I put out another episode. And then that one got 500 downloads. And that crushed me. And then because that crushed me, I didn't put out another episode for another month. And I put another episode and then I got 50 downloads. And I was like, well, hell, I'm done with this. This was like, so clearly it's not working. And so it just sucked all the drive and motivation on me. If I would have kept consistent, that podcast would probably now be getting tens and thousands of downloads per episode because that was the trajectory that it was on. You are now tuned in to the Misi Muse Unplugged, a pop-up podcast variety show helping consultants along their journey to greatness with your host, management consultant, author, and blogger, Christy Lindor. Hey, my go-getters. Welcome to the Misi Muse Unplugged podcast show. I'm your host, Christy Lindor. Super thrilled to be bringing you episode 42. And today we're actually going to be doing a quick wins interview. If this is your first time tuning in, quick wins is when I have the opportunity to connect with individuals discussing ideas, products, and services to help round out your consulting toolkit. Today, we've actually got a special guest go-getters. I'm honored to have Ernest Barbaric join us on today's show. A little bit about Ernest. He is a seasoned consultant. He's specifically in the digital marketing space. He's also a podcaster and and an all-around go-getter himself. Um, Just a great guy. I had the chance to meet Ernest last year when I attended his Pod Summit conference. He had hosted the first Pod Summit conference within the, the Western Canada area. And I was super thrilled to meet him. And with his help and with this conference, it's actually the founding story of this podcast show of the Missy News Unplugged. And so really excited to have Ernest on today's show. And in, in the interview today, go-getters, Ernest shares with us how he got started in consulting, specifically how he adapted uh, through a lot of different volatile market shifts because he did several stints with startups. And he also helps kind of discuss and dissect more about how he became a podcaster. So he's got a really cool podcast. It's called The Art of Meaningful Work. So you can check it out. And he actually became an early adopter of podcasting in general. So he's been podcasting for a number of years. And so on today's show, he really breaks down the state of podcasting today. And if you go getters, if you're interested in starting your own podcast show, what are some of the things you should consider? There's just a lot of noise in the system. Podcasting is the thing to do these days. But I think with Ernest's insights, and he's been really at the ground floor of podcasting as a channel, he really provides some really profound insights. So I think you'll really enjoy my conversation with him. You'll also notice, go get her in the show notes, I've included links, you know, more on Ernest, but specifically on his pod summit. So as I mentioned, I attended his pod summit last year. And within seven weeks after attending that, summit, I ended up launching the Me See Muse Unplugged. And so it was really through, you know, his summit, really cool. I felt like I walked away and had a full kind of toolkit of information I needed to start my own show. So I'm looking forward to participating in his pod summit again this year, this time as a podcaster and being able to get some advanced information. So what's really cool is that he set up the conference 
So either, you know, whether you were just getting started like I was last year, or if you're a seasoned podcaster looking to really kind of take your podcast show to the next game, his summit is kind of really, it fits all areas. So again, we'll put the links in the show notes for you to register and check that out. And with that, let's get started. Ernest, thank you so much for joining us today on MEC News. How are you doing? I am excellent. And this is such a pleasure. I really, really enjoyed our friendship. And I'm really glad that we're able to connect on a podcast this time. I know. I So, oh my gosh, go-getters. Can I tell you, Ernest is, full disclosure, the reason this podcast even exists. Okay. So quick story. I met, actually, I think we met, we met online. I was looking yes. for a hack. So it's funny because I feel like it's like the anniversary of things kind of coming together, but it pretty much is. Yeah. yeah, I almost feel like it was around this time I reached out to you, Ernest, but I was looking for a hack to start a podcast show because I was like, I don't have time to like dibble and dabble. (laughs) I remember I came across your summit and on a whim, I was like, you know, I'm based in Boston. So I was like, I'm attending the summit. This looks like the real deal. (laughs) And then I reached out to you and I know you were like, wow. But anyways, it's such a pleasure to have you and this go full circle. So I guess before we get started with the interview, maybe we could take a moment and you can introduce yourself to the go-getters of the MEC News Unplugged. Sure. Hello, go-getters of the MEC News. You know, one of the hardest questions that I always have to answer is, what do you do and who you are? And I have a really tough time answering that question. So I'll try to give you a Coles Notes version. So at this time, most of the work that I do is in the digital marketing strategy world. I do consulting for a pretty wide variety of different brands. I've done some work with insurance companies, automotive companies, nonprofits, large national and international brands on digital marketing strategy. So that's where most of my daily work comes into play. What I am really all about is something that I've started discovering over the last couple of years, and that's about doing meaningful work, which is one of the major topics that I actually talk about on my own podcast. It's something that I write about, and it's something that I'm going to be leaning into more and more this year and hopefully the years that come after. So it's around talking to people that are driven, ambitious professionals that want to make change in the world and working with them on executive coaching, on giving them the resources and the tribe of people to help them make that happen. Yeah. I'm all about meaningful work as well. And maybe that's how we ended up being able to connect. So really thrilled. I'm really honored that you took a moment to be on the show today. So maybe let's take a step back. Would love to hear a little bit of, you know, how did you get into digital marketing work and consulting work? And then maybe share the story of how you started your podcast, The Art of Meaningful Work. Yes, sure. So that's an interesting and varied story. Let me see where where's the best place to start. So I actually finished school for electronics engineering. And in my mind, I wanted to build robots when I grew up. And so I graduated right around the time that the first dot-com crash happened. And so there was no work for any of us. And I ended up working in this place where I was... So I finished electronics engineering. And then what I ended up doing, my first job was actually mixing this rubber compound and pouring it into these plastic axle cups that essentially was a piece of electronics that would go on top of a, on a locomotive axle to measure the speed. So somebody equated it this way. It was like, it was training to become a doctor and then working as a janitor in a hospital. <laughs> so, and so, so that was my first entry into the working world. That company got bought and sold. We all got laid off. Then I got another job. That company got bought and sold and we all got laid off. And then I was like, well, I've had enough of this. And then I decided to make a transition into sales and marketing. 
And I'm just going to mention one more thing because this is a really important thing. So where I started getting into digital marketing was right around the time where I was still in school. So parallel to this, this electronics engineering career that I had that was fairly short-lived, I was building websites. There was a group of us that built a motorcycle forum one of the first ones in this part of North America. And we had, and out of the four of us, I ended up somehow becoming the one that would help us build promotions. We got group buys on tires and all sorts of different things that motorcycle riders need. We started selling banner ads and so I would design them. So I was doing all these different things before they were a thing. Mm -hmm. And then when I finally transitioned out of electronics, those skills that I've been building for the last three or four years all came in handy when I made a transition into marketing, which I figured out that sales wasn't necessarily the best direction for me. And then I ended up getting my first job in the marketing field. Then I got recruited to work for a radio station cluster. And when I showed them what we were doing, you know, with banner ads and all that kind of stuff four years ago, they were salivating at their mouth to get me to build this for their cluster. And we did. We got like, we got a great amount of success with that. And then I got canned from there. And then I started my own company. And so that was in 2000 and seven or eight, I believe is when I started my company. And then I wanted to build an agency. And then I realized that I didn't really like being responsible for other people's work. So I had a couple of people hired and then we would send out stuff for clients that I was getting at the time. It was, it was website work. And I remember this one specific time, we're just about to send a website to a client and I looked at the code and it was in Dutch. And so I'm like, what the hell is this? And so what ended up happening is that the designer that I was working with at the time was actually uh, taking an basically cobbling code together from different things. So it wasn't clean. It wasn't good. And that's when I made the decision. I didn't want to be responsible for that. I scaled back to just me and it's been just me for the last nine years. So it rolled from a agency to a social media marketing consultancy and then into a digital marketing consultancy and then into a digital marketing strategy consultancy, which is what I've been doing for the last five or six years or so. During that time, I actually created a social media for business certification program at our university. I've created digital marketing for business certification. I worked with the Canadian Marketing Association. I created two certificates for them. I was one of the first early movers in this, and I've kind of been steeped in this for long enough to be one of the old guys in the field, I think. And so I've created a lot of these different certification programs for universities and associations. And so that, that brings us up to right around now in terms of the work that I've been doing on a consulting basis. Right, right. Wow. You've had, it feels like as I heard you speaking about all your different experiences, it reminds me of that period of time in history. There was a lot of turmoil in the marketplace. If you recall the dot-com boom, then the dot-com bust. And I it definitely sounds like, recall it. <laughs> it sounds like you were kind of riding that wave a bit. I, I got caught up in the wake of that wave. So here's the interesting thing. So the people that were actually going to my program at my school six months before I graduated, we're getting recruited to go to San Diego and they were getting a signing bonus, a car, a surfboard and a condo. Right. And so I'm like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. And so when I graduated a couple months before that, the complete yeah. decimation of all of those kind of industries happened. And so there was no work in the field anymore. And that's, I think was kind of a blessing in disguise that right. gave me a really good understanding of the industry that wasn't the best fit for me. Right. Yeah. Wow. I had no idea you kind of went through that whole journey. That's really interesting. Tell well, us the me. Other, oh, the other thing I was going to mention too is, you know, when I started my business, it was the 2008 crash too. So, wow. it, so it was kind of like, there's this thing about crashes that's, <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be a common theme in the way that my work has evolved. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it goes to show your agility as well and your ability to adapt regardless, you know? You know what the interesting thing is when that happened the first two times, I never really thought about it. Mm. Now that I'm more aware, I think about it more. And I think at the same time, now that I am more aware of it, there is a little bit more fear perhaps which I think is it creates a different kind of a mindset where you are aware of the opportunities, where you are aware of the downfalls. But at those times when I was first getting started, I was a lot younger and I didn't care. It didn't matter. And it just worked. Right. So I think there is a certain advantage to that naivety as well that I, now that I'm all jaded and old and grizzled and stuff <laughs> that I don't have anymore. <laughs> That's so funny. How did you make the pivot into podcasting like you know was it during one of those downturns okay so podcasting wow that was a long time ago okay so i'm just trying to remember where it first started so the first podcast was around marketing and that was around 2000 and well no it would have been maybe 2010 or so so i started doing it just as an exercise of kind of like a cool medium i love gear I love microphones. And so I'm like, let's make something happen. So I ended up working with, uh, I ended up doing that with a friend of mine. And then we fizzled out after probably about 10 or 12 episodes or so. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing is because at the time there wasn't as much choice as there is now. One of my very good friends right now actually found out about me through the podcast. She invited me to do some consulting for her company. And then we've been friends ever since. So now me and her actually do projects together. The way that we met was through the podcast. So there was definitely some really interesting things that happened. And I think it also helped position me as a bit of a leader at that time. Since right. then, I've had I've started and crashed about six different podcasts. So the current iteration of the current podcast is a completely different world than where I started. Right. Tell us a little bit about why you love podcasting. I mean, apparently, if you've started and stopped several different types and, and what keeps you going with this as a medium, as a consultant? Okay, so I have to kind of put a couple of different lenses on it. In the sense of using podcasting as a medium to promote yourself, as a medium to promote yourself as a thought leader or perhaps as a brand that works excuse me, in a particular space, what podcasting allows you to do, and right now things might be a little bit different, we're going through a bit of a shift, is it allows you to connect with people intimately one-on-one. Because if you think about it, when you listen to podcasts, I used to go on runs, walks, or something else like that, and it gives me the ability to listen to whoever is talking to me through a microphone and it's an intimate relationship. It's like I'm having a conversation with that person. They're just telling me stuff. And specifically for me, it was around entrepreneurship, marketing, digital marketing, and those kind of things. And so I think that's where the advantage to podcasting is. So the way that I've always looked at it, and this is the way that has always driven everything that I do in terms of content creation, how I build courses, how I create articles, podcasts, videos, everything. I always think about what is something that I can do and create that will help someone do whatever it is that they're doing? And for me, that happened to be around marketing at the very beginning. So I was, it was looking at it as a teaching medium. So these are the things that I know. And if you listen to this podcast, you will learn them and you will be a better marketer or a better leader or a better professional. So I think that's an important distinction. The second part that I'm going to add to that is the podcast that I have right now. So there was a significant shift that happened in my entire trajectory of my life and work and everything else after my mom passed away. So that was in 2012. I've always had in the back of my mind, and I've gone through a lot of different transitions. When I first got into consulting and building my own business, I was chasing after money. And I reached some of those goals. And I realized that that wasn't what made me happy. And I've come to the realization that it wasn't the money, it was the time that was really important to me. And then I've always had in the back of my mind that 
But then when my mom passed away, it kind of gives you a really hard understanding of the finality of time that we have. Mm. And so once something like that happens, once that kind of a trauma happens, I believe that's when you make a transition into start thinking differently. So the next project that came out of that is I actually ended up coming across an article by Sir Ray Avery on TechCrunch. And Sir Ray Avery is a, is a New Zealand inventor. He's an incredible person that a lot of people, I think most people have no idea who he is. He's done some incredible work. So a couple of the projects that he's done is one of them was a cataract surgery that you're able to run in, in third world countries and that helps a lot of people get their vision and sight back. Another one was he built this incubator that could work in brownout conditions. So in countries that had uh, unstable power supplies, and then he used this technology commercialized that he would run these projects in countries that needed that. And so one of the things that he did is on average in North America or in in the Western civilization, you have about 81 years of life in total. And based on that, which that gives you about 30,000 days of life in total. And so based on that, he would then allocate what he's going to dedicate his time to as those days trickle down. So I read that about maybe less than a year after my mom passed away and that really Mm -hmm. hit me at the right time. Mm -hmm. So I did a calculation And for me, it came out to be 26,000 days of total based on my family history. So the podcast that I started then was called 26K, and that's where that number comes from. And what I decided to do is I would interview people who I found inspiring and who I found that were doing something of worth, who had fulfilling lives, who felt great about what they did, and they made a contribution. So I started interviewing them to figure out how can I do that? You know, Is there a way for me to transition from being lost essentially to doing something of worth and doing something of meaning? And then after that, the next iteration of that was The Art of Meaningful Work, which is the podcast that I'm doing right now. It's interesting, as you mentioned, your mom, you know, I can empathize completely. My mom passed away in 2009. And I always tell people that for me, my life is like, it's like splintered, right? There was life before she passed away and then there's life after because it's it's just never been the same. So my condolences for sure. I mean, for me, it happened in, t- in 2012. Like, so it has been a number of years since then, but that was one of those transformational experiences. And so, and now having interviewed, and so the people that I was interviewing were entrepreneurs, authors, leaders of companies that are doing good work, people that have tiny little companies that are doing interesting things. And so I started extracting what are some of the common themes when it comes to meaningful work. And one very common theme that I found is that there's usually what I called a moment of truth. Mm-hmm. something that comes and hits you and you can go a couple of different directions. So one is time is finite. That's a moment of truth for me. And so you have two choices. One, do whatever it is that you've been doing so far or two is right. make a change and you know chart a new direction, something that gives your life meaning, makes you feel fulfilled so that when you're on your deathbed, you don't have regrets about things that you should have or could have done. So that was a common thread with most people that are doing meaningful work. They face that moment of truth. Right. And that's what I found across you and me included. Right, right. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I don't think I would have created the space to have a podcast or to write a book or any of the things that I'm doing today if it wasn't for that trajectory that I was kind of shifted into. So you're totally spot on. Now available on Amazon, management consultant and author Christy Lindor shares career secrets based on 15 years of experience working at top firms in a new book called The Misi Muse. 100 plus selected practices, unwritten rules, and habits of great consultants. The Misi Muse provides insights, stories, and strategies on the unwritten rules of the consulting profession. 
Christie conducted research and connected with 50 plus industry titans across 27 professional service organizations on what makes a great consultant. For book reviews, tour dates and more info, go to www.musimuse.us. I want to pivot a bit and talk a little bit more about just podcasting. So if go-getters out there are listening to this, right now it feels like, Ernest, the market is saturated. Like everyone has a, the podcast has become the new business card. And that's how it feels to me, <laughs> maybe because I'm in the world, but you know, you've been in the beginning of podcasting. You've gone through the journey. You've been in the game for a while. Where do you see this medium headed? And if, if a go-getter right now is listening to this and they've been thinking about starting a podcast, is it worth it now? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. So is it worth it now? Yes, but I'm going to add a couple of caveats. So right now what's happening is people are, some people are calling it a renaissance of podcasting or something or golden age of podcasting or whatever. So there was an interesting thing that happened over the last couple of years, and that is the popularity of podcasting has grown substantially. It was due to shows such as Serial, I think, which was one of the big hitters. And then out of that, a whole bunch of other things came out. So what's happening right now is that we have a lot of entries into the field. There is a lot more competition than there ever was. There's a lot more podcasts than there ever was, not just in North America, but all over the world. And so is it worth it? I would say yes, with a couple of caveats. So one is one of the most important things that I think we're going to see is that since there's this big saturation right now, everybody's coming into the space in about a year or two, you're going to have a big drop off might be steep, but there's going to be a drop-off. And essentially, the people that are going to drop off and the companies are going to drop off are the ones that got into it for a quick ROI. So the ones that said, hey, we're going to start a podcast, we'll record 10 episodes, and then you know we'll make millions of dollars. Or <laughs> like that, right? so, oh my gosh. And it doesn't work like that. And I think no. the, the, people that are, the people that are going to remain are the ones that have something bigger than the podcast. So why are you doing this? For me, a podcast just happens to be a way to express that idea of meaningful work. It could be a blog. It could be a get-together. It could be at a retreat. Podcast is just one of the ways to do that. If I was using it just as to promote myself, then that may not have longevity. So that's one thing. And then you're going to see a lot of those companies, like I mentioned, that got into it, be like, hey, this is a really popular thing right now, so let's do it. And then, you know, a year down the road when they see, you know, we produced 10 or 15 episodes and we didn't see a magical lift in our revenue, then, you know, that really wasn't worth it. So let's go into Facebook ads or Twitter ads or Vero ads or whatever it happens to be at the time. So that's one thing. So the key thing is that you have to know why you're doing it. Is it a good match for your audience? And then also, what is the greater why that you're contributing to with a podcast? And finally, out of that will come consistency because people that stick with it, that continually improve, that make it a better experience for their listeners, making sure that the listeners are getting something valuable out of their time together because you're taking 20 or 30 or minutes from someone, right? So what are they getting out of it? You have to be very clear on the value that you give to that person on a consistent basis and those are the people that have that kind of thinking that are going to be able to sustain an edge in podcasting anyways. Right. I would agree. I think I read somewhere that the average podcast has like no more than 15 or 20 episodes. Is that still the case? Or has that number average gone up a bit? I think that the average is right around there. You'll see a lot of fizzling out around, I say about a 20 episode mark, is when you have something to say. And here's, here's the thing. You have something to say. So you say it in the first 20 episodes, but then what, right? right? Or you interviewed those first 20 people and then what? And I think 
that's the differentiation between, hey, this was something that I can sustain for a couple of years, or is this something that's going to be part of my brand moving forward? Now, I'm going to add one more thing. So the folks that listen to your show may be familiar with Seth Godin's Startup School podcast series that he created a couple of years ago. So that was a lecture series that was published in a podcast format, and it's still one of the most popular podcasts there is, and there's been no additions to it for two or three years. So if you think about things that way, it's something that's going to be a self-contained project, not necessarily something that you'll have to sustain over time. That's totally fine too. You can tweak it to however, whatever works for you at the time. Right. And you know, kind of to that point, Ernest, I think one of the things that helped me get over the fear of starting a podcast, and I'm sure others listening to this may be in that same space, is that you know, yes, I I had something to say, but a part of me was like, one, would I be able to sustain it? Just like you said, you know, can I make that type of commitment? But the second thing is, am I going to run out of things to say, or am I going to run out of guests to interview? And that was a true fear. And I think, you know, as I've spoken to people that don't have podcasts, but are interested, that's usually the fear they have. And now that I'm on the other side, it's interesting. I'm like, what, in my 40th plus episode now, I have way more guests. <laughs> I, I actually have too much to talk about. Sometimes I feel like I should increase my frequency. But you know, if you're on the other side of that, and you're kind of struggling, Ernest, what would be you know, some advice you would give someone today that is like, man, do I have enough to say? Can I find enough guests? Can I make it sustainable? So you can look at it in a couple of different ways. So one is to have a bit of a content strategy or content plan. So what I do Mm -hmm. is some of my digital marketing strategy work is we come up with a content strategy for clients. And one of the simplest ways that I've actually had just had a meeting today with a nonprofit organization that wants to launch a podcast. And so we're talking about equipment, which is what they wanted to find out. But we ended up talking about the themes. If you could pick two words that you want people to associate with your brand, what two words would those be? And then use those two words as your through line of all the content that you produce. So if it happens to be, for example, innovation and accounting, that gives you two concrete topic buckets that you can create around. So you can talk about innovation, you can talk about accounting practices, changes in tax law, innovation in accounting. So for example, software, AI, it gives you a ton of different ideas and topics that you can generate around those two. The other thing that I was going to say, if you're going to have enough guests. So the way that I've looked at podcasting, and so what I just mentioned is more of a proactive approach. So this is how I want to position myself. The other way to look at it is, what do I want to learn? Mm. So the way that I've looked at it is the people that I interview and have interviewed, I want to learn from them. So what has your life experience been like? You know, what are transition points that you've gone through? What advice would you give to yourself if you were 30 years younger? And so with different people that I interview, I personally have always gotten something out of it. And if I could share that with my audience, maybe they'll get something as well. So it's very much, uh, you can almost look at it as a selfish project where I'm going to reach out to people to learn from them. And then I get to implement that. And I also get to share that journey with my listeners. So those are two different approaches. So one is I want to position myself by using these two words as a theme bucket, essentially, or Mm -hmm. I want to learn from people who I find inspiring and then share that with my listeners. And so both of those are going to be valuable depending on how you decide to go. I would totally agree. So now that you've been podcasting for some time, Ernest, what would be something that you wish you had known when you first started podcasting that you share with people today? 
<laughs> so one of the biggest lessons for me is consistency. And even now, you know, I think back to, so for example, 26K, the podcast that I had before this one, I remember that I was getting between three to 4,000 downloads per episode. And then I fizzled out. And then I put out another episode. And then that one got 500 downloads. And that crushed me. And then because that crushed me, I didn't put out another episode for another month. And I put another episode and then I got 50 downloads. And I was like, well, hell, I'm done with this. This was like, so clearly it's not working. And so it just sucked all the drive and motivation on me. If I would have kept consistent, that podcast would probably now be getting tens and thousands of downloads per episode because that was the trajectory that it was on. So consistency is a key lesson that I still haven't internalized because even with my current podcast, there's still a month, sometimes two month gaps in between episodes. And that's so right now I'm going through this transition process of I'm trying to figure out how that plays into everything else that I do. So once I figure that out, I'm going to have a bit of a more of a more solid content marketing plan for the podcast and everything else that I do. So consistency is one of the biggest lessons that I've learned uh, learned over the years. If you're going to get into it, publish, stick to any kind of a publishing schedule that you have once every two weeks, once a week, whatever it is, just stick to it. Yeah. You know, it's so funny that you mentioned that because I think a lot of people felt that pain you were talking about in the latter part of 2017 when Apple changed their algorithms and like everyone I knew, like their numbers plummeted (laughs) (laughs) and there was people out there that was really depressed. So I think this is really good. Well, here's where that really comes into play. And so this is, this is something to think about. So if you were to be a subscriber to a magazine, let's say Inc or Entrepreneur, and let's say you get that magazine once a month, you're not always going to read all of the articles. Right. And so you can think about that for your podcast as well. You're going to publish. Sometimes it'll vibe with people and sometimes it won't. But the thing is you have a lot of silent listeners or silent readers that may not say or do anything. Maybe they don't download your podcast, but they can see it's coming up on their feed. But then when something's interesting, they'll download it, but they've subscribed, right? So there are all of those nuances as well, where just maintaining that relationship with your listeners allows you to maintain the relationship and perhaps grow it. And maybe they'll recommend it to someone else. So the download numbers, I think, can be a bit of a misleading metric sometimes. Yeah. I'll tell you something from my video experiment just recently. So I have like a ridiculous amount of equipment for all sorts of different things. And I started producing videos for a company that I just resurrected out of the ashes. And they're around digital marketing strategy. So I produced three videos. On YouTube, one has 80 views, one has like maybe, I don't know, 60, and the other one has 100 and some. And so when I would look at that, that would seem very, very low and might seem kind of like, well, what's the point? But the interesting thing is out of one of those videos, I now have had an excellent opportunity to do some consulting for a really large brand who the marketing director of saw the video. They thought it was interesting. They saw it was compelling, which led them to my website, which then led into a contract. So isn't necessarily just a numbers game. You always want to think about, so what is the purpose behind me doing this? And for me, it was around providing value. That person found it valuable, which then led into a contract afterwards. Right. I mean, I think if go-getters are listening to this, it's not always about the numbers. And I think sometimes in the social media world we live in, it feels like that's the metric, right? It's the number of followers, it's the number of likes, number of downloads, but it's not always that to your point. It just took that one person 
to hear the right one person. So it's not a hundred right people. Right. So I think that's a really good lesson. I mean, hundred would be great, but one right person, was, <laughs> that was totally worth it. Right. Yeah, I mean, so, absolutely. So if you think about it that way as well, you know, the relationships that I was able to create as a result of someone listening to my podcast have been incredible. So I'll give you another example. I recently met with a VP of a pretty large company in the energy sector. And so he saw me speak and then we, we set up for coffee and then we met for coffee. He's like, Hey, I listened to a lot of your podcasts and this is the journey that I'm happening. And so we, is he's like, I feel like I know you already. Mm. And so that was an incredible experience that opened us up to connect on a much deeper level immediately because he was able to listen to the, some of the podcasts and read some of the content that I've created, listen to some of the podcasts I've created. So immediately we had a relationship and the value of that was amazing. Right. Right. So I'm going to pivot again, Ernest, and I want to talk about the summit. Sure. Um, So as I mentioned, Go-Getters, at the beginning of this episode, I attended Ernest's pod summit last year. And I literally, it was so amazing because within less than like five hours, I had a whole game plan of how I was going to do my podcast. I had tips and techniques. I knew like equipment I needed to buy. (laughs) I had like all the best practices. And to me, that was, I think just attending it, hearing from like all the different speakers you had, it gave me the confidence because seven weeks later to the date of attending that I launched my podcast, which was amazing. When I first launched it, it was trending on iTunes. So it was just, it's amazing how the power of the value that you brought to that summit. So I want to make sure that you talk about this summit because go-getters, if you want to start your podcast, or if you have a podcast and you want to take it to the next level, I hope to meet you at the summit this year. So, <laughs> so Ernest, tell us a little bit about the summit. Why'd you start it in the first place? And then what do you plan on doing this year? For sure. So Pod Summit was one of those, was a project. So I'll tell you, okay, I'll tell you because I've told this to very few people and I guess your audience now. Pod Summit was a project to see if I could put together an event, put together a conference. I've never put together a conference together before. Would anybody show up? Would anybody buy tickets? And would I be able to put together something that was really good? So that was a test. And so I put a lot of work into finding the right speakers, into arranging it. So we had like videos and short sessions and long sessions and and campfire chats. And I jammed a lot of stuff into this conference because I've been to a lot of conferences. I've spoken a lot of conferences. So I wanted to build something that I would want to go to. So that was the first thing. The second thing was I wanted to build something where I wanted to learn the things that to make me better. So how to interview people. You know, what does a good show sound like? How would you edit so it sounds really interesting? How would you monetize? How would you promote it? Those are the questions that I had. And so out of that came the first pod summit, which actually went really, really well. We had 110 people from all over North America, which was amazing. And it was, it wasn't what I was expecting at the time. And so that just blew my mind. And I got really emotional there at the end when we're wrapping it up. And I was saying that, you know, this might be the one and only pod summit ever. So I want to just say thanks to everyone for coming. And so the feedback that we got. As a result of that, you know, we had sponsors and they were like, you know, you can't say Ernest, you just shut up and tell him it's going to happen again next year. <laughs> and, so, and so I made the decision to run it again, uh, run it again in 2018. So it's happening on May 5th this year in Edmonton, Alberta. So the colder of the two cities in Alberta. So again, the space that we're going to is, is actually a radio station performance space. We oh, have nice. 100 people in total. I have speakers coming in from the UK 
the US and all over a few places in Canada. And so it's going to be really fantastic. I have, so it's the same thing as we did last year and we're now we're leveling it up essentially. So okay. we wanted to squeeze a few more topics in. One of the pieces of feedback that I got from last year was that people didn't have enough time to network because I jammed everything and it was just like, it was like session, 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 break, like five minutes to pee and then session, session, session okay. and lunch lead for 30 minutes and then session, 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 and then we're done, get out. So this year we're spacing it a little bit more. So there's, <laughs> so there's more chance to mix and mingle. And I think it's going to be a really fantastic time. We have people that have now been, that have built podcast networks, people that have ran podcasts for a while, that have, they've used them to build their business. We've expanded topics a little bit. So last year was more around journalism and kind of professionally type of podcasts. And I've come to the understanding that that's only a small portion of the whole podcasting world. There's like... really reality TV podcast. There's, you know, uh, sci-fi podcast, horror podcast, beer podcasts. And so it's my world was very small within the overall world of podcasting. And so we're now we're opened up a little bit. So we'll hear on monetization from, for example, one of the biggest Doctor Who podcasts in the world who happens to be ran out of Edmonton. We'll hear from someone who runs a entrepreneurship podcast, another person who built a podcast network. So we'll hear like a lot of different aspects of monetization. We'll talk to Mike Russell, who's coming from the UK. He's done production for radio and podcasts all over the world. He just spoke at... He's speaking actually at VidCon as we're... I think he's either going to or speaking at VidCon right now. And he was speaking at the social media conference in the US just a couple of weeks before. So I'm super excited. I think it's going to be a really, really great time. Yeah. And go-getters, we'll make sure we put all the links to the Pod Summit out on our show notes. Any... I guess anything else you want to kind of just mention about the summit? This is your second time, second go around. Yes. Do you think you'll do a third one? <laughs> I don't know. So here's the thing that I've learned. And I think this is coming from the podcast, from the pod summit as well. Every single person that I talked to said to do it again. And every single person that has run events before, they said it, they just get bigger and better every year that you run it. So there's that idea about consistency. And what I've learned about myself is that I like to start things. And so one of the things that's probably going to be happening uh, next year is that I'm going to be entering into a partnership with someone to help me run this. So the first, and, and just to kind of give people a bit of a background of this, the first one I bankrolled entirely myself. So everything that we paid for went on my credit card. So the entire risk was on me. Mm-hmm. This year, it's the same kind of an idea. So like all the speakers, flights, everything that I have to pay for, the AV and everything else is coming is coming from me yeah. because this is something that I wanted to make into a success. And so I was willing to assume all the risk. And I think that also takes a lot of time and effort to build something like this. So next year, I think I'm going to be partnering up with someone to help me out a little bit. And so I can kind of keep innovating and building new things is where my, I'm not going to say strength, but where my natural inclination is. Sure. Such a consultant, right? To just, you know, <laughs> set up the business model and make sure we have other folks, you know, kind Good of- Good luck with your stuff. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Making sure people can keep the lights running. That's great. Yeah. Hopefully I get a chance to see you there again. I know this is so random, Ernest, but your wife, she did a sort of a presentation with the Brain Gym at yes. the summit. I actually, since that time, I actually still use that and I have actually brought that to my team. So you got to tell her- that brain gym is like yes. amazing. And for go-getters that are like, what is she talking about? Do you want to mention like what brain gym is yes. about? So I'll tell you. So it's my so wife- random, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting too, right? So my wife actually works for a company called WestJet, which is an airline company in, in Canada. One of the two major ones. 
And so one of the things that they do with their executive team, so this is like VPs, directors, executive VPs, and all this kind of stuff. They do this thing called brain gym. So it's <laughs> it's a little bit ridiculous. So preschoolers <laughs> kind of do this and kindergartners do this. So that's where this comes from. And the whole idea is to sync up the two halves of your brain so that you're better able to think, process information, and remember things. And it's a very, like it's three or four different moves that you do as part of this and that gets you into a learning mode. And so I've done that at conferences I've spoken that after she showed me how to do that with their executive team. And so I'll get, I've spoken at a conference of, you know, 500 people. I'll get everybody to get up and do this weird dance and touching and all this kind of stuff. And the really great thing about it is there's a couple of things. So one is it actually does help your brain work better. And the second thing is it gets people up and moving because I find at conference we sit a lot. And so it can be really draining. It can be really tiring. So doing the brain gym is one of my favorite things to do. It kind of helps you connect with other people too, because you're having fun, you know, you're doing right. these weird moves and I love it. Well, shout out to her. I know you're just like that. It was random, but I had no, to bring it up. <laughs> I had to bring because that brain gym is so amazing. I love it. And I, I use it all the time as well. So and go getters. We'll make sure we'll find there's a, a YouTube link. video that you can share with everybody, too, so they can see all the moves. OK, OK. So we'll have to find that and put that in the show notes as well. Well, so this is fantastic, Ernest. If people want to connect with you outside of the summit, share some links, some ways people can reach out to you. Absolutely. So you can find me at ErnestBarbaric.com. So E-R-N-E-S-T-B-A-R-B-A-R-I-C.com. That website is going to go through an overhaul in the probably hopefully the first half of 2018, where you'll see more of a focus on meaningful work, more of a focus on executive coaching rather than marketing. And on Twitter, I'm at eBarbaric. And if you actually want to check out the podcast that I've been producing, it's called The Art of Meaningful Work. And you can find that on iTunes and Overcast. And I believe I am on Spotify as well. Awesome. Well, thank you, Ernest. Again, this is so full circle. Pleasure having you on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. And thank you, my go-getters, for tuning in. This is Christy Lindor signing out for the Meesey Muse Unplugged Pop-Up Podcast. Here's to your journey to greatness. Tune in every Friday for new episodes syndicated on iTunes, Google Play Music, and many more. Visit www.misimuse.com for more information. Music